Welcome back. It is Husker Sports Weekly, your one-stop shop for all things Husker Sports. My name is Connor Clark along with Grant Hansen. As always, and today we have got a lot on deck as volleyball split two games against Minnesota over the weekend, bouncing back in dominant fashion. The Nebraska women's basketball team is looking to make a late tournament push down the stretch of their season, and we will look ahead to the NCAA tournament talking about bracketology as well as Nebraska men's basketball and the upcoming conference tournaments here in the next couple of weeks. But before we get into any of that, we have a special guest joining us today. He is a radio co-host with Steve Sipple on their show Early Break on 93.7 The Ticket in Lincoln, as well as a UNL graduate, Jake Sorensen, joins us today. And thanks for joining us on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. My pleasure to be back on with you guys. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll jump right into it with Nebraska Volleyball. They are 7-1 and one after the two matches against Minnesota this past weekend, dropping the match on Friday 3-1. to one. They came out pretty slow, losing the first set 25-15. The bounce back won the second set 25-20, but went on to lose 26-24, 25-23, so pretty close in those next two matches. Nebraska only hit 195 in that match as a whole. But then on set, on Sunday, excuse me, uh, Nebraska won three to nothing, winning 25-15, 25-17, 25-22. So pretty dominant there on the Sunday match. Nebraska hit 300 of that one, which, uh, as Grant has informed me, that is the kind of it's the winning number. Yes, it's the winning the winning hitting percentage for for a volleyball team. So Nebraska able to bounce back uh, in dominating fashion against the top five team in Minnesota. May we add. Um, so the Big Ten just keeps getting better. Nebraska picks up a quality win there after starting slow this past Friday. And um, I'll pass it off to Grant here because he's a, a, a big volleyball guy, a much bigger volleyball guy than I am. So uh, give us give us the rundown. Well, in a lot of ways, you know, Nebraska, this has been Nebraska's most successful sport over the last decade, really over the last 20 years. Uh, and, you know, something Jake can certainly attest to. And uh, you showed they showed why, right? Like on Friday night, you came out really flat. This is your first big game of the year, and you spot a team inside the top ten a set. Basically, you basically you just hand them one. Uh, and then as you get into the later later sets, you struggle with the block. A lot of a lot of times getting blocked back, and lose a lot of the fifty fifty balls, and you end up losing the match. Move back to Sunday though, and this is where John Cook really comes in, and, and this team was really playing pissed off without a better way of putting it, uh, and they really showed that on Sunday. Yeah, it's something where you look at Nebraska and, and, and the way they bounce back with Cook is just why he's such a great coach. They they really handle adversity, uh, unlike that we've ever seen at Nebraska for quite some time. You mentioned the last 20 years they've been really good, and it's true. They have just found a way to consistently be not just a tournament team, but always contending to win the Big Ten or the Big 12 back when they were in that conference. And um, – I guess I'd say this Minnesota was undefeated coming into the game on match on Sunday because he's mentioned they had beaten Nebraska on Friday, but I would have walked away pretty surprised if Nebraska hadn't split that series because that's what John cook does. I wasn't expecting a sweep on Sunday, but when they have a rough go like that, like you mentioned, they win one set of the four, they didn't look very good in, in the mo uh, most of that match. Lexi son, herself had a rough match on Friday. She was awesome on Sunday. She was, you know, way better, different animal than she was. And that's just what you get. This team knows they're good. They're always going to be a final four contender with John Cook. That's just the way it rolls. And 
in, in a time where other sports are struggling so badly at Nebraska, it's nice to have John Cook's squad continue to carry the load. And I, I hope we don't take them for granted, knowing that this is not just a given. They're going to be great every year. But it's just like you see in some of the sports out there, like women's basketball, for example. You just know every year that Gino Ariema is there. They're going to be good. UConn's going to be a good program. Or Notre Dame, same thing. They're just going to always be good because they have great coaching. Um, so yeah, the volleyball program continues to, to play well. And, um, they're, and the thing is too, they're pretty deep. They had a, a, a girl come in end of that match against Minnesota because there was a, an injury and it was a freshman out of, I believe Waverly or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Evans. Evans. yeah. And she comes in and, and, you know, has a couple of, you know, big sets to help Nebraska close out that match. And that's, that's a true freshman, you know, from the area. So that's, it's just incredible, uh, the development and the talent that's nearby in that sport. And um, it's just, again, the testament to, to John Cook and what he's built here and what he's continuing to build. Well, and then you think about that moment, what caused Annie Evans to come in towards the end of that third set. You had Nebraska leader and Nicklin Ames uh, at the setting position. She goes out because she takes one to the head, a, a hit from Minnesota. And, uh, you know, for Husker fans who are concerned out there, John Cook really cleared that up in the press conference the day after. He said, yeah, if if they had gone to four sets, she would have started at the fourth, which is just so tough. Man, She her toughness was really on display on Sunday. Yeah, it was. Uh, and, again, that, that just a testament to the kind of player that, that John Cook recruits. You know, he's got – volleyball is such an intense sport, though the, the way that ball comes over the net, it's coming, it's coming fast. You've got some really big arms in the Big Ten. It's one of the – if not the, the best, it's one of the absolute best conferences in all of college volleyball. And you've just got – you don't get many nights off. They, they've had a couple – easier teams they played off the bat here and now it's getting tough with Wisconsin coming up this weekend of course the top team in the country and um but yeah it's it's something where you know if you're coming to Nebraska you're you're an elite athlete you're an elite volleyball player you know it's going to be tough at times in the conference but um yeah Nicklin Hames again is is a tremendous player and um glad to see she's gonna be fine after what happened um but it's it's uh that's that's what the the culture is. They they just keep fighting, and if they get an injury like that, they fight through it, and they know they're going to bounce back and 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 recover. Now, uh, obviously, you just mentioned Wisconsin comes in this week, number one, undisputed, a, a total power in the Big Ten, and a team with a lot of height, a lot of girls around or women around that six eight six seven line. You know, Nebraska's going to have to struggle with the block again this week. Uh, and they're going to struggle with the team that is undoubtedly the best in the Big Ten and the best in the country and knows that's who they are and, and who's on a mission, uh, especially after getting upset uh, by Stanford a year ago. Uh, this is the biggest game of the year, I, I think, until you get to the postseason. And how much of that 3-0 sweep on Sunday jumpstarts Nebraska into Friday night? Well, I think it jumps up a lot. It shows that we can contend with the best of the best. Minnesota, again, is not number one. They're up there in the top five. They had not lost a match yet. But the fact you, you beat them in a 3-0 sweep, uh, let's be real. It's, it's going to be hard to expect Nebraska to, to win both matches. They played Wisconsin twice this weekend. It's going to be hard just to expect them to win both times because it's such a, a good program, number one in the country. But I just go into it with the expectation that I expect Nebraska to 
compete very well, very hard and, and win one of the matches. And maybe that's a little over the top. Maybe that's not fair to them, but I don't think John Cook wants us to expect less than that. I think he wants us to expect Nebraska to be great. That's why he continues to recruit so well and perform so well. He, they, they love the high expectations and what people expect out of them. And I, I think that they go into these matches saying it's going to be tough, but why can't we win both? Why can't we beat Wisconsin twice? So, uh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's going to be a fun weekend to watch and see where they're at. As far as your, your comment about this is the biggest match until the end of the season, I mean, we, we say that a lot about things. I mean, right now it is, and Wisconsin is is really good, but maybe they have an injury later on that hurts. Maybe they have just some poor play that brings them down. So it, it's always the biggest match until something else is, and that's what the case is right now. Uh, but it's no doubt a barometer test to see was Sunday against Minnesota real? Was it just us playing really well for once again? Um, or like you said, is it something they can build off of? I view it as the latter. They can build off of it. And um, I think as if you're a Nebraska volleyball fan, you're excited to see what they can do and if they can uh, push Wisconsin, maybe win not just a couple sets, but win some matches here. Yeah, hopefully they can bring as much of that dominance against Minnesota over to that top-ranked matchup against Wisconsin. But moving on here to the women's side of Nebraska ball, looking to make a late tournament push here. Uh, They just picked up a nice win over the past weekend against Penn State. They are currently set at 11-9 in the season, 9-8 in the Big Ten. They've gotten two wins in a row after going on a four-game skid. Those wins have come against number 24 Northwestern and then this past Sunday over Penn State at home 87 to 72 and that showing against Penn State was really impressive for Amy Williams and her team shooting plus 50 percent from the field plus 50 percent from three so they were really able to get it going on the offensive end obviously Izzy Bourne with that 22.11 rebound double double against the Nittany Lions but this team it, it looked like it started to hit its stride they beat um they beat Ohio State. They beat a couple of ranked teams along with that. And then they beat Wisconsin by almost 20 points. And then they go on this skid. But now it seems like they're kind of trending upwards again. And with uh, four games remaining, which are at Minnesota, who they're 0-1 against this year, at Michigan State, who they've beaten, and then at Iowa twice, who they have not beaten yet this year. So this is a very important stretch of four games here. But Amy Williams and her squad, they look like they're starting to trend upward. Their team is kind of coming together offensively very well. Uh, I, they, they had some struggles on the defensive end against Penn State. But overall, and let's get your thoughts here, Jake, as well. But overall, this team is is heading in the right direction. What do you think their shot is at, at a tournament bid here come March? Well, I think they have a chance. Uh, what They've been such a strange team this year. Like you mentioned, they kind of been up and down at times. But the fact is, they I think they have four ranked wins. Like they've, they've played well against the best teams. Now they've lost to teams like Maryland, who's really good. And they, you know, they weren't really close in that, in that game, but it's crazy how right in the middle of the year, they were beating Northwestern. They were beating other teams that were ranked. And then they come back and lose to a a bad Penn state team. And the old Rutgers hadn't played for 37 days and they lose to them their first game back uh, playing basketball. And they were, they had not been a great team before they, they paused for COVID was Rutgers. So it was really hard to kind of understand what's going on because they have talent with Kate Kane and other girls like that. You mentioned they've got some good players there, but I think the fact they have those wins against the ranked teams and what's been a pretty good conference again 
helps them out. Now you're going to have to win, you know, not all these games coming up, but still win the ones that are there for the taking. Maybe if you have a, a tougher one down the stretch, I know I was got, you know, a great player in her, on their team. It's been phenomenal um, this year and she's going to be tough to stop. But uh, if you can win one of those Iowa games of the two left and then, you know, if they, you say they four or five games left. Uh, four. four. Okay. So if you can go three and one down the stretch, I think that should be good enough to get in the dance. Maybe if you win a big 10 tournament game as well. So um, yeah, I, I think that they're right now kind of, kicking at themselves for losing some of those winnable games that they gave away, you know, a few weeks ago, but they certainly have a chance still. And that's, you know, all you can ask for sometimes when you're not one of the elite teams in the country. I found this graphic the other day from Matt Coatney. He tweeted it out and I thought this was really interesting. Uh, But Nebraska versus the top 25 this year, they have the most uh, excluding Wisconsin. You got Wisconsin in there as well. Uh, but they have seven opponents inside the top 25 they played this year. They have the best record against the big in the Big Ten against the top 25, or at least the most wins at four. Four and three is their overall record. But the struggle for them has really just been those unranked teams, and it's kind of been just it's just kind of been a weird team. You can't really totally explain why you play so well against a ranked team in Northwestern or a ranked team again in Michigan State earlier in the year, or Ohio State, and you just can't put a full game together against Minnesota. Is there a trend that you notice there, or is it just kind of like you're like I've said, it's just kind of been weird. Well, I think it, it's really frustrating that if you are Amy Williams and that coaching staff, that just has to really baffle you and, and anger you because you know this team's good enough to beat the ranked teams. Like I said, they have a, a over 500 record against the ranked teams, but they just find a way to, to kind of, you know, putz around and, and not put his, put a game away against a, a, a lesser team. that's not ranked or it's below 500. And it's hard to understand why, but some teams just, you know, whether, whether it's women's basketball or any sport, some, some teams just struggle to rise up and play well. Um, if they're playing a lesser team, it's called, as we all know, playing down to your opponent's level. It happens all the time in football and in different sports, and, and it's no different for, for basketball. But if they are to end up missing the dance because of those losses, you're going to have some self-reflection in the locker room saying, why could we not figure it out against these squads? We're better than them. We, we know we can beat them because we beat teams that are better than them. Why are we not getting it done versus them? So I wish there was a better answer for that. I don't know. It, it's, again, not rising up. It's, it's lowering your level to the, the team you're playing against. But I just know, again, if, if you're in that locker room and they don't make the tournament, you're going to have a lot of questions saying, why were we so good against those teams but so bad against these teams? And there's, there's maybe something more psychological in there that we don't know about. But – um, it, it would no doubt be frustrating to miss uh, with the wins they had and the losses that they've incurred. Well, yeah, and looking back at that losing streak that they went on, after that January 28th win against Wisconsin at home, they, as you said, lost to Penn State 85-74. Uh, to 74. Then they go to Rutgers after their pause, lose 78-62, to 62, so by a pretty sizable margin there. Then they host Iowa, lose by 7, 88-81, and then obviously – they play Maryland, who's one of the best offensive teams in the entire country, as they put up 95 on the Huskers. They won 95-73 to 73 over Nebraska. But then Nebraska, 
They, they sweep Northwestern, who was last year's Big Ten champions, and they've been ranked for the majority of the year, if not the entire year. And then they have a dominant performance against Penn State, especially in the second half. Uh, a good piece coming off the bench for them, too, was Annika Stewart. Uh, she went on her little own, like, 10-0 run, and she had, like, 10 straight points towards the end of that first half. But going back to the, the losses against unranked teams that could hurt them, would that potentially outweigh the fact that four out of the, their nine conference wins have come against top 25 opponents? Yeah. I, again, if you're trying to assess the year and, and figure out how to look at it when all said and done, I mean, you try to always look at the positives and say, what's going to, what are we going to remember the season for? But like, like I was saying, if, if you, if those losses are what keeps Nebraska out of the dance compared to what their, those four big wins did, and yeah, I mean, you can certainly say that was um, what you look at more than the wins and say, what, why can't we do this? Like, like I was saying, the, the COVID pass, 37 days off, Rutgers, and they beat you by 16 points. And to be fair, Rutgers has played well since. They've been a good team. You know, that, that pause usually hurts teams. Rutgers had, at least until last week, had not lost a game since they came back. I think they were 6-0 in their recovery, which is crazy to think that pause helped them out. Um, has not helped other teams out who have, had pauses in, in college basketball but they have been a different story um but yeah I, I you certainly if if nebraska misses the dance yeah the the losses outweigh those wins you can take that as a positive but the goal of the season is to make the ncaa tournament and if you don't do that then yeah the story is well we were close but man you know we just didn't have it we didn't bring it every night when we could have and that's disappointing and how do you build on that that's something you have to address in the locker room. And I can't answer that. You guys can't answer that. Uh, that's internal stuff that Amy and the staff have to figure out and the players too, but you know, there's no doubt about it. It'd be very frustrating to have that be the situation. Um, and I'd say this, if they make the dance, it's great because you know, you know, they played the tough teams. Well, if they make the tournament, you're not playing a, a low level big 10 team. You're playing a team that is in a different conference likely that is good. And I would hope that you would rise up to the level you're able to and know that, Hey, we play tough teams pretty well. So, um, I, I, I feel like there's just a lot left to be desired with that program and, um, we'll see what happens next few weeks. Yeah. I think as you look at the big 10 tournament, at least for the women's side, you know, the only major juggernaut remaining for Nebraska truly is Maryland. Uh, a team that scores an inordinate amount of points. Uh, but at the same time, Nebraska has already beaten a team at Ohio State this year that averages uh, those high-level scores like Maryland, and they held them inside 60 points. So they can get it done. They've proven that this year. But they're going to have to go on a really incredible run to win this Big Ten tournament. But at the same time, do you, do you think that really – plays to their advantage just because they're going to be playing it back-to-back big game big game big game where they've had with the exception of the Maryland game this year a lot of success yeah it it just depends where they're at mentally um, and physically at that point you know Nebraska the men have had to play a lot of a lot of games here recently because they had that pause and it hasn't really helped them out they've still been losing a lot of games but um, you know in tournament play yeah it, it, it just depends on how mentally strong you are if you can avoid injuries avoid any sort of COVID problems right now then then anything's possible on the table but 
we haven't really seen the women have to play a ton of games back to back like the men have. We've had a pretty normal break in between games as a typical schedule would go. So I'd like to say they would help them out. Um, I don't know for sure. It, I, I'd say it kind of depends on, to me, who they play in that first game. Is it a team that's close to being ranked? Is it someone that's lower than them in conference play? I'd frankly, if I am if I am Amy Williams, I want to play a team in that first game that's, that's, that's higher, a higher seed than me. Make, you know, rise up to the level instead of stooping down to the level below. So there's a catch-22 there. You obviously want to, you'd like to have an easier team, but they don't play the easy teams very well. So I, I guess, um, well, I, don't, I don't know how they're going to look when they have all these games back-to-back. It's hard to assess that because they're really a Jekyll and Hyde kind of program right now, but um, at least, at least they have a chance to dance. You can't say that for the men's side. Um, so um, you, you take what you can get and, and hope they can figure out a way to to beat not just the good teams, but to stop beating themselves against the bad teams. Yeah, and I think this next stretch coming up for Nebraska too is incredibly crucial. Obviously, trying to make a tournament push—that's one thing, but. You go to the the Big Ten standings. Nebraska is currently ninth out of fourteen teams, and their remaining games are against Minnesota, Michigan State, and then a back to back against Iowa to finish out the year. Minnesota is tenth in the Big Ten. Iowa is eighth in the Big Ten, and Michigan State is seventh in the Big Ten. So those are all teams who are literally right right around you in the conference standings. So if you're able to say beat Minnesota, Michigan State, and split with Iowa and maybe jump one of those teams because Iowa, their conference record is eight and seven. So Nebraska has more wins than, than Iowa does like statistically speaking in the, in the big 10, but they have the same kind of winning percentage there, but it's the same thing with Michigan state. They're seven and six in the big 10, Nebraska's nine and eight in the big 10. So you say you, you beat them and then you split with Iowa, you potentially jump a spot that could also help you out tremendously as well. And I, I looked up their net ranking in women's basketball. They are currently 76, and I believe you need to be, obviously, in the field of 64, so the top 64. So they're kind of on the outside looking in. So say all goes according to the plan, they they win three out of four in, in, the, in the rest of the stretch of the regular season. How, how, what, what is their, their task list kind of? speaking going going into the big 10 tournament well if they win three out of four it, it depends on what teams they beat um in that because if, if their nets in the 70s you know obviously 64 teams make the tournament but you're gonna have teams that aren't that high that are winning you know the bad conferences like the meacs and those ones that aren't right now in the top 70 so that would mean that your chances of getting at large bid are still are lower and lower because you've got so many teams that, that just get automatic bids. So I guess your task list would be to get as far as you can. I mean, obviously you can help yourself out by winning the tournament and, and getting the auto bid. That seems unlikely in this conference because as you mentioned, Maryland is a very good team. That's going to be, you know, probably a, a final four contender this year um, for college basketball for women. But um at this point, with the losses you have, you, you just need to pile up more wins and avoid as many as you can. And if Nebraska can get hot and win all the last four games regular season or win three out of four and win a couple in the in the Big Ten tournament, then you know, they'll be right there in the conversation for 
the dance. But if they, if they say that if they go two and two down the stretch and lose their first game in the Big Ten, they're not they're not going to go dancing. Um, it's not, not going to happen. So they have some work to do. But the farther you can go in the dance, or sorry, in the tournament, you know, the better chance you have of getting, um, you know, considered for the the uh, auto bid or the I guess the selection process and seeing if your resume stacks up compared to other teams out there. Well, yeah, that's well said. Nebraska women's basketball does have their work cut out for them heading into the rest of March. We'll switch over to the other side, men's basketball here at Nebraska. Last night suffering a loss to Penn State, 86-83. to And it was, a, it was a tight one from wire to wire, and we can't go – speaking about this game without acknowledging the 41 point performance from Teddy Allen last night, tying the, the, the Nebraska team record all time, I believe, um, which was absurd. He had the first eight points of the game for Nebraska. And then he just kind of kept taking off. He had 28 in the first half. So, and it, then again, it's kind of been the story of the season for Nebraska basketball. Teddy Allen gives you 41, and you still can't get the job done against Penn State, a team you have beaten before after going on an eight-minute drought on the road, and you still somehow beat them. But Teddy Allen gives you 41. You can't get it done. So obviously a rough season for Nebraska men's hoops. A lot to figure out with the COVID pause and obviously a brand-new group coming in here. And we'll just take a quick look at their last five games of the regular season. They traveled to number 5 Illinois, then they host Minnesota and Rutgers. Then they go to Iowa, and they finish the regular season at Northwestern. So, I mean, is there any a glimpse of hope of, of Nebraska picking up a second Big Ten win here in the next five games, or is it just kind of a wash, let's get to 2021-2022? Uh, it's been rough. It's been a tough year, as you point out. I mean, it's amazing that last night you can get 41 points from Teddy Allen and you're playing a team, like you said, they already beat, and it's not good enough. With Delano Banton... No points last night. Didn't show up. Lat mine didn't do much. You know, you got a guy playing that well. You, you hope that a couple of your guys can help out. And Trey McGowan's at 17 points. He was good, but you need more than that. And they just didn't get it. And also their defense wasn't very good. So disappointing, but that's that's kind of kind of been the theme of the season. Disappointment. I mean, how many people would have thought that when Fred Hoiberg was hired at Nebraska? that through 34 conference games, he'd be three and 31. I can assure you, I didn't think that. Tim Miles had his problems at Nebraska, but never that low. Doc Sadler, Barry Collier, we, we, haven't, we haven't seen this ever. We've seen bad basketball, but never to the extent of this. And this is a, a former NBA coach and a successful coach in Iowa State. So it, it's just really unbelievably bad. It's baffling. I, I don't think that Fred is – um, you know, not the guy, but man, it, it's just been really tough to watch this program because you see the same problems time and time again. Now, last night they actually made free throws, which has not been the case for a while. They made threes, which has not been the case for a while, but they forgot to rebound. You know, Penn State had 16 offensive rebounds. If you get half of those, you win the game. If you get a couple more, you win the game. But they gave, they had 14 more offensive rebounds than Nebraska did, and that was. A, a ton of second chance points that did need to happen. And it's, it's just something every game, whether it's some games, the free throws don't fall, threes don't fall. Defense has elapsed. It, it's amazing how many times they just fall apart. And, and, you know, I want to be optimistic and say that 
things are going to get better next year. And the you know, Bryce McGowan's coming in the five star and Wilhelm Breidenbach's a, a scorer, six nine player from California. And Tommy Naga comes in as a three point shooter. Um, and those guys, I have hope for, but there's they're missing layups, they're missing wide open shots. I don't know. And I guess to answer the question regarding the season. You have hope to beat Northwestern to end the year. Northwestern's very bad. They won their first three conference games. They've fallen apart ever since. They have played some teams close and have gone to overtime. So they've not like been a complete uh, terrible uh, team, but they are not very good. So uh, I don't I don't know what to expect, but I, I feel like you can you can beat Northwestern in that final game. You know, one thing I pulled off of your Twitter from last night, Jake, is this tweet here. It says, uh, I look forward to the day when Nebraska men's athletics aren't a constant letdown. And granted, Jake, it's not Festivus, uh, but could you air your grievances here with, with this men's side the last few years? What needs to change? And, and in your opinion, what's wrong? You know, we thought we had changed it. You know, Nebraska was struggling in football and basketball, and you went out and get Scott Frost, who was, you know, the the man you wanted, and that hasn't worked out. He's twelve and twenty basketball. You got Fred Hoiberg, who was thought to be a step up from Tim Miles, and thus far has not been. Um, the answer, I, I don't know. I, I thought those guys were the answer. That's the scary part. Is I don't I don't know if you can as a fan look at what you have and say, okay, this is how we fix it. Because I think that Fred Hoiberg started with there, you know, I think he calls good plays. Nebraska generally, um, you know, the offense looks pretty crisp. It's just, can they, why can't they finish shots? Or why can't they make the wide open looks? Like they're getting all the passes set up for wide open looks and missing them. That's not a Hoiberg problem. That's a player problem. The division one basketball player should make a wide open three. A Division One basketball player should make a, a layup that's maybe slightly contested or or it's not contested. A Division One basketball player should make a free throw, and that has not been the case. They're like dead last or second to last in the nation in free throw percentage. There's nobody guarding you. It's just you and the basket. What you've done from your when you were a, a kid to now, like there's nothing that's stopping you. So I don't know if I'm sure Fred Hoiberg just bangs his head against the wall saying, what do I have to do to get these guys to shoot better? Because he can't, he cannot guide you through a free throw at the line. He cannot tell you how to make a layup because you've done it your whole life. Um, So I don't know. I mean, it feels like sometimes there's a voodoo doll at stabbing Nebraska and saying, you know, you're going to suck until something changes. Now there's not, but that's what it feels like. Um, so I don't, I don't have the answer there. I hope Bryce McGowan's can provide an instant impact and all of a sudden they can make free throws. I, I have no idea what to say there. For football, I mean, same problem. You, you lose Wandale Robinson, you lose Luke McCaffrey. Uh, the defense is all back next year except for Boodle and you know, a couple of other guys. But um, you know, no one thought 12 and 20 would be the case for Scott Frost, especially in the easier division of the conference. This is not Ohio State. You play them a lot, but they're not in your division in the way of you winning the West. Iowa has been good, but not unbelievable. Wisconsin's been good, but not unbelievable. Minnesota, same thing. Like, there's nobody that's – Northwestern's won the division twice in three years, and they're not that good. They're good, don't get me wrong, but they sandwiched two division titles in with a three-win season in the middle of that. 
and they bounce back. You know, why, why can't you do that? I, I just don't know. It's so frustrating right now to, to try to figure out how to fix it because you're paying these guys a lot of money to fix it and it's not working out. But that tweet is just kind of how I have felt for a while. I know that wrestling is doing well, you know, and track and field is doing well. And I get, you know, they're not all bad, but the ones that make the revenue, the ones that people focus on and watch on TV and attend when they can are just not doing the job. So um, there's, I don't have the answer. I, those guys are paid a lot of money to figure it out and they need to start doing it. Otherwise it's, you know, just going to continue to be very frustrating um, at Nebraska. Well, I certainly don't think you're alone there. Uh, another thing pulling out of here, uh, you just re- you retweeted earlier this morning uh, about uh, the pit point guard, Xavier Johnson. He goes into the transfer portal. What's the Nebraska connection for him? Do you think he comes here? And if he does, what's his impact? Because, you, you know, we saw Trey McGowan's, he comes from Pitt, averages quite a few points per game there, and has not produced anywhere near to the same level here. Well, um, Xavier Johnson's going back to him as far as the connection. Um, so when Tim Miles was here, uh, he had a guy on his staff named Kenya Hunter, who then went to UConn after that. And Xavier Johnson was a longtime Nebraska commit. He was supposed to come here. And then when Hunter left to go to UConn, uh, Xavier Johnson decommitted and went to Pittsburgh instead, where he was has, has been a great player there. And his, you know, his, his rookie year, probably freshman year, he was averaging like 16 points a game. And that just really hurt because Nebraska wasn't playing very good with Tim Miles at that point. So I don't think he's going to come here. I just said, I was kind of mentioning that's a, a guy that's um, a name we used to know and follow and a guy that you wish would have come to Lincoln. But, um, you know, I, I, I guess you already have got a guy from Pitt and McGowan. So there's going to be maybe I can see Nebraska reaching out. I don't know if how attractive it is to leave that program to go to a one win conference team that Nebraska is. But I don't, you know, maybe maybe he's interested in Nebraska kit based on his, on, you know, his initial visits here and commitment. But I, I would be surprised if that ended up being fruitful of any variety here. But uh, yeah, it's it's the question you ask. If if you were a, a college athlete right now, you know, wh- why why choose Nebraska for sports? They they've been pretty bad. So that's it's an ultimate sales job that you have to convert to the kids the high school players or the or the transfers and it gets harder every week that you lose and that's just the situation you're in yeah and going back to that fred hoiberg comment that you had i i do agree there's only so much you can do as a coach until like it's it's just a a player problem with with the layups and and the wide open jumpers and and it for me personally too it's it's the free throws that probably drive me crazy the most i mean those are freebies you're you've shot them all your life i mean i'm sure they're well at least i hope they're shooting a good amount of free throws in practice um because they're just not dropping for this team but um nebraska hopefully i i i think that um we that that nebraska can have a a a better season next year with the recruiting classes you mentioned mcgowan's and breidenbach and i think they can provide a good a good impact on this team especially with Bryce knowing how to play with his brother too I'm sure they know their games very well obviously probably growing up 
playing the game with and against each other. So that can help from a chemistry standpoint, but you really just got to, I mean, at, at some point it's, I, I think it comes down to discipline as well, especially with the free throws. I mean, you got to put more time into that. You got to put more time into your layups. You got to put more time into those open looks. Cause I think you, they, they almost think about it too much, right? When you get that wide open look from three, they're like, Oh, I'm wide open. This rarely happens, so I'm just going to put it up and see if it goes in. And obviously it hasn't been working out for Nebraska. And they've been in these games, like a, a good amount of these games they've been in. Obviously last night they were in the game. They were in the game, uh, the second game at Maryland. Uh, obviously they beat Penn State. They probably should have beat Illinois. Um, they were in the game against Michigan State, their first game back from the pause. So there are some positives you can look at, but obviously the the negatives outweigh them by a ton. But I'm just curious to get your thoughts too with Hoiberg, if he can keep, and I know we've talked about this on our show before, if like about like 80% of the current roster that he has going into next year with a full offseason with the same group for the first time since he's gotten to Nebraska, how much of a positive impact can that have in the coming season or so? It depends on if those things change. You know, like, like you mentioned there, uh you know, for the free throws and layups, like I was saying earlier, like, I, how how long can that just be bad for before it gets fixed? Like, you know, we ask the question, we always say, well, practice more. I guarantee you they're doing that stuff every day in practice. They're not just like avoiding free throws. It's a problem. So I know that a good portion of every practice is dedicated to free throws. And, you know, it's amazing that a Division One team needs to do layup drills, but I, I'm sure they're doing that as well. Like, whoever can do not doing that it, it's just not working out for Nebraska so in terms of next year if you if the lineup sticks around like you know this year was, was basically year one again in year two because you had so many new faces besides Thor he was the only guy back from last year's team besides the guys that sent out because of transfer with Banton and others on the team um, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss for words as far as what to expect, because I think those guys have talent. Like Trey McGowan's has skill and Banton has skill. It's not as a point guard. They need to end that experiment very soon and, and, and get an actual point guard here. But I, I think that we've had conversations on our show and just in general, that if Nebraska had a true point guard this year, they would not be good, but they would be better. I think they'd have a few more wins like Cam Mack last year, he had his own problems. You know, he had issues that certainly kept him from not coming back to Nebraska this year and going to a you know, different level. But when he was on, man, he was really good. And if you had a guy like that who could pass and set the offense up and even make shots himself, that's a different ball game. But Banton just is not a natural point guard, and that hasn't worked out. So if they can uh, get a point guard uh, as a transfer in the transfer portal this upcoming year, then, then maybe things change, but I don't know what changes for next year until that happens. I, I believe it's more important for Nebraska to get a true point guard than there's a true big man, because I think you, you've seen that like Derek Walker, for example, who's not a big, he's not a small dude, but he's not like a, a Hunter Dickinson seven foot one center. The guys from Purdue that were really tall you can still operate and play well without having a true big. It's just, you need somebody to help facilitate the ball better and get these guys open looks. Um, because right now, Nebraska is the only team in the conference that has a, has more turnovers than they do assists. And that's pretty much indicative of why you're one in 13 in conference play. 
All right, well, that'll do it for men's hoops here at Nebraska. Let's move on to a, a much more exciting topic um, than, than the season that has been Nebraska men's hoops. March is just around the corner, so let's dive into some NCAA tournament bracketology here. I got ESPN with Joe Lenardi pulled up. And just a quick look at the bubble watch because that involves the Big Ten greatly. Obviously, Maryland has worked their way up into the last four buys. They were currently, or they were in the in the first four out just a week and a half or so ago, uh, right before they played Nebraska, and they beat them both times. So they've been on a little bit of a win streak there. Last four in includes Indiana and Minnesota. Indiana still on the bubble and still in the field of 64 right now despite the loss to Michigan State this past weekend. So a lot of interesting things shaken up here late in the bubble watch. Obviously, you have teams from the Big Ten, such as Ohio State and Michigan, taking up half of those one spots. You have Illinois as a two seed. You have Iowa as a three seed. So Big Ten obviously going to have well over half the conference in the NCAA tournament. But it's going to be interesting to see how these last couple of weeks play out and with other conferences as well, such as the SEC and ACC, how those conference tournaments are going to pan out with teams like Duke and Kentucky. You know, obviously the, the, the traditional Blue Bloods haven't been what they, they are usually. But, I mean, I personally don't be shocked if Duke comes out and wins the ACC tournament and gets that, that auto bid. Maybe I think Kentucky can make a run. I think it's a lot uh, the chances of them winning that tournament are a lot more slim, but I would not be surprised at all if Duke came out and won that ACC tournament. Well, they're playing better ball at the moment. I mean, they beat Syracuse last night pretty handily. Um, Syracuse is not a great team, but they're not a bad team. But yeah, uh, you never count out Duke. Coach K, they've had a rough go this year. Um, and I'm sure that Cameron Indoor Stadium is not quite the same without, uh, you know, a full amount of fans in there, so it's different vibe. But everyone's had that problem um, in general. They have some fans, I believe, but it's not full. But um, Duke has so much talent all the time, and so does Kentucky. That they can have a bad regular season if they get hot for a couple of days in a row. They they can win their tournament. So there's been some people that have been excited to see the Giants that are down this year with those those ones. And Carolina's been average this year, and Kansas is, is back in the rankings, but still average for their standards um so you know it, it, we'll, we'll see what happens um in conference tournament play but um yeah it's, it's been a weird year for sure uh, even like last night baylor almost lost to iowa state iowa state's horrible this year they like like two or three wins overall and they had to fight back and claw back and win a close game against a really bad team so that's college basketball. Like, like you said earlier in the show, you know, Nebraska, they should be Illinois, who's a top 10 team. You know, it was weird to say they should have won the game, but they had every chance to do it. And um, that's why it's so hard to predict um, what's going to happen in basketball. But um, I wouldn't be upset to see Duke miss the dance because it's always, they're always in, but I, there's, they're playing better now, so it's probably more likely than not that unless they fall apart, they'll sneak their way into the dance and probably make some noise. Well, I'm right with you there. I think on on wishing they wouldn't make it. They're currently in the first four out, alongside Stanford with uh, Millard North, uh, Lum, Max Merle, uh, UConn, and Richmond make up the first four out. Last four in, Big Ten's Indiana and Minnesota. There, both of those teams playing. In the first four play-in games, Iowa's moved up to a two. 
Baylor, Gonzaga, Michigan, and Ohio State still won. That Michigan-Ohio State game on Sunday was fantastic. And if that's something that we see at the Final Four, uh, I honestly would not be shocked if we saw round two of that. Those two teams have been fantastic this year. But a lot of intriguing matchups still remain, uh, at least in this version of the bracket. And uh, one of those really, I think, is that Creighton-Wichita State game, that 5-12. That one, man, Creighton's played well. They, they don't they don't have as many games here down the stretch as I think some of the other uh, teams inside of college basketball do. Uh, but, man, that game is something I could see. That Wichita State-Creighton game, that could be upset territory, especially if Creighton's not on their game. And then beyond that, a potential Creighton-Michigan matchup in the Sweet 16 uh, if Creighton is on their game and playing well and they get past Kansas. There, there's some really interesting things that could come out of that Region 3 Michigan to uh, Colgate look uh, in the Joe Lenardi bracketology on ESPN as of now. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you never know what to expect. Creighton has been a team that has had problems in the tournament. Once they've gotten there, they've been, you know, three seed in the past or uh, you know, five, four, five, six seed. They, they, they've been a good program for a long time, but they just have issues of getting past the first couple rounds. I think they've never made the Sweet 16 in their history, which is, you know, for all the tournaments they make, it's amazing that they have not got past that first weekend ever. So uh, until they do that, it's hard for me to project them to make a deep run the tournament. I think once they do, maybe they can get over that big monkey on the back and, and go far and really, really just get past all the issues that they've had in the past woes but something about this team for Creighton again I'm not a big Creighton fan I don't watch them that often but I do know that uh, they always are pretty reliant on the three-point shot Mitch Ballack is a great shooter he's streaky but he's typically pretty good and um, you know they've had they you know Zagorowski started to play the better basketball and when, when he's on he's one of the best players in the country he had a rough start to the year but he's been better now but um They'll, they'll be a team to watch out for. I, I do believe that Michigan, as you mentioned, is, is a team that, that certainly can go far. And, um, good, you know, Jawan Howard has been just as good as John Beeline was at Michigan, so the rich get richer there. But it's, it's March Madness, man. Weird things happen. You know, might see a year where a great team gets beat early. And, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised without fans in the stands and with the way the season's operated with COVID. You, just, you never know what to expect. So it, it could be – um, you know, it could be a bizarre year, which I think I speak for everyone that I, I bring on the weirdness because we didn't even have it yep. last year. The dance didn't happen. So let, let's see all the crap, the crazy stuff that happens and and bring it back full circle. Yeah, another matchup that stands out to me too um, in, I guess, what's labeled as Region 3 on the bracket. And obviously this isn't the final one, but Number two, Villanova, scheduled to play number 15, UMBC, in the first round. Now, obviously, UMBC was able to pull off that first-ever 16-seed upset against number one, Virginia, just a couple of years ago. But I personally haven't gotten to watch Villanova a ton this year, but I know the Big East is not at the usual standard that it that it usually is. It's not as strong as it usually is, especially compared to the Big Ten, which a lot of us have been watching a ton of recently, but... I wouldn't be shocked if Villanova was either a first round or uh, a, a first weekend exit here in this tournament. I don't know. It's something about them just doesn't like. They they don't seem like the Villanova that that won those two yeah. national championships yeah. in three well, years. I I, I I understand that, and they got beat by Creighton pretty badly recently. Um, but I, I guess I I have learned to not 
discount Jay Wright, who's their head coach, and to sell them short. You know, some teams look like world beaters coming into the dance and maybe don't have that experience in the tournament. They lose right away. And some, some guy, some teams come in with great coaches. Like look at a couple years ago, for example, uh, Syracuse was a 10 seed in the dance. They barely made it in and they made it all the way to the final four, elite eight, whatever it was, because they just, that their defense works. They know how to win when it comes to tournament time. And Jim Beheim's a great coach. So even though they don't look great in the regular season, I, I, I just, I would never, um, sell short Jay Wright and a great coach like that, and say that um, that I, that I expect him to lose. And maybe maybe it happens, but I just I'm not going to bet against that guy until it starts to become a trend. And I I haven't seen that happen, so you never know. A team, you know, a couple years ago, Tom Izzo had a, a two seed Michigan State team that people thought was going to be a, a championship contender. They lost the first round of Middle Tennessee State, and that's just the dance for you. So. Sometimes it seems obvious, sometimes it's not, and that's why it's a beautiful tournament. All right, well, that will do it for us on Husker Sports Weekly. This was episode 32. Once again, thank you, Jake, for coming on the show. You can find him on Twitter at 937 and You can catch him on 93.7. The ticket with uh, his show, The Early Break, um, so you can find him there. You can find our... Uh, podcast Twitter at Cornhusker Media, and you can also follow Grant at Hanson15 underscore Hanson. I believe I got that right. I, I hope think I it did. is. And you can follow me at C underscore Clark underscore 27. So thanks again for tuning in. You can find our podcast at on Spotify and on Anchor.fm, as well as CornhuskerMedia.com. So once again, thanks for tuning in to episode 32. We will see you next week. Go Big Red.